Welcome to the Musician's Venture Podcast. This is a podcast focused on lessons learned from musicians' backstories, as well as from building successful careers in the music business. My name is Nick O'Brien, and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events that Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. On occasion, I'll be joined by Allison M., the founder of Wisconsin Music Ventures, as she and I will dive into topics relevant to the music industry. So let's get down to business. Hey there, friends, musicians, and music lovers. This is Nick O'Brien, and welcome to this episode of the Musicians Venture Podcast. I am so excited to share this episode with you. It's a special one that features two musicians who have a uniquely entertaining story. My guests for this episode are two Wisconsin Music Ventures member musicians, Donna Woodall and Ethan Bender, who are not only two parts of the Donna Woodall group, a staple band in Milwaukee's music scene, but more importantly, these two are a very happily married couple that has been collaborating in music and in life for decades. Both Donna and Ethan's music roots were inspired by jazz, and those roots are evident in what the band offers as an eclectic mix of cool originals, creative renditions of classic hits and jazz standards, and a bold approach to many other genres. Donna and Ethan began making their name in Milwaukee by performing with Street Life, which at the time was the house band for the Milwaukee Bucks. They started dating while in that band, and then they formed the Donna Woodall Group. Now, there's so much to cover in Donna and Ethan's story that we actually needed two episodes to get to it all. So this episode will be part one of that interview. Our conversation starts with checking in with what Donna and Ethan are working on right now, as they are focused on learning the ins and outs of the modern music business and the shift that they have experienced with transitioning into taking their music full time. We dive into Donna and Ethan reflecting on how they each got into making music pretty early in their lives. Donna shares how influential her family and particularly her mom was on being introduced to singing. She talks about how her interest in jazz then evolved into her involvement with musical theater. Ethan recalls his family also being an influence uh, on his draw to music. He talks about playing the violin as one of the first instruments he picked up, but then quickly transitioning and settling into the bass. We also talk about how Donna and Ethan met and the evolution of their music playing relationship into their romantic relationship in marriage, which is a really entertaining part of the conversation, I must say, as they reflected on the many times they crossed paths before they joined the same band and started dating. They give advice on how to make music and do business together while being in a romantic relationship and honoring both sides of that partnership. They give advice on how to manage the partnership when children are part of the picture. They also talk about how their children are also immersed in music and how they're not only teaching their kids, but also learning from them, especially when it comes to the newer technology in the music industry. And it sounds like there might actually be a chance for Don and Ethan's children to be intertwined with their music down the road, but it could also go the other way, but only time will tell. Now, it was obvious to me before this interview that Don and Ethan are incredible musicians, no doubt about it. But during this conversation, I learned so much about how special their partnership and marriage are to the music that they share with the world. Their story honestly seems like something out of a romantic comedy movie, and when you listen to this conversation, you'll know exactly what I mean. 
I hope you enjoy part one of the Musician's Venture Spotlight on Donna Woodall and Ethan Bender from the Donna Woodall Group. Donna Woodall and Ethan Bender, thank you so much for sitting down with the Musician's Venture Podcast. We've been trying to get this interview on the calendar for a while now, and so my enthusiasm, my eagerness has just been building. And now here we are. Uh, sitting in the Podcast Town studio. So want to give a shout out to our friends at Podcast Town here at the Expansive Workspace in Wauwatosa. Donna and Ethan, how how are you? We are fine. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yes. This is very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to dive so much into each of your respective music careers and, you know, the Donna Little group. Uh, those careers coming together. Um, it's been a few decades that you all been doing this, but let's start kind of with where you're at right now. Like, what is what is the life and career of Donna Woodall and Ethan Bender like right now? What are you working on? What are you focused on here at the beginning of 2023? Well, um, 2022 we had a, a really busy, uh, busy year, and so in 2023. We really wanted to take some time to write a lot of music, um, to perform even more. We, we really enjoyed our, our time in the different types of um, music and uh, performances that we had. And so we want to make sure that this year our focus is getting back to what we did when we first started the group, I think, which is writing songs and performing them and uh, maybe even getting some like a home studio, possibly. <laughs> yeah, that's really that's really <clears throat> excuse me. What's uh, going on right now? We uh, like Donna said, twenty twenty two was a was a a lot of performing, a lot of gigs that uh, came up uh, by surprise, which was great, and we really liked that. And uh, kind of uh, keeping up with that. And our early twenty twenty three right now is uh, uh, looking at the space in the house and seeing how we can. Uh, optimize that for writing, like Donna said, uh, really uh, concentrating on original music right now. Uh, got some projects going in the studio and trying to move those along um, and seeing what we can do with that. And uh, really, though, just looking at uh, infrastructure, uh, what we can do to, like I said, optimize the space and how we can use that to write. Uh, and, and a lot of business, looking at a lot of the business aspects of it as well writing that music and what we can do to to make that music work for us uh you know streaming and sync and all that good stuff yeah i feel like right now we're we're knee deep in just trying to really learn the business today and um uh, that that's been a, a big learning curve for us because it is different from when we started many years ago uh, so just uh, we've been working a lot on that, trying to attend and learn like fool sponges very quickly. Um, and then uh, writing, um, really wanting to get back to to that again. And uh, and, and getting uh, the goal, I think, right now is to get some possibly some of the new songs out uh, through maybe an EP. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a coming off of a really busy performance year, I'm sure that that takes um you know, kind of a different mentality than than where you're shifting your focus to now. Am I am I correct in assuming that? Like, is there been a shift 
kind of internally in terms of how you look at your day and how you look at the month um, from more, more, more away from performing and more into creating, not just like the music, but also the space and like the business plans and things like that. How is that, that shift kind of that mentality shift kind of transitioning for you? Oh, it's a, it's a big one because again, we, we have to, I'm, I'm finding that during the course of our day, we have to look at how we, uh, where we have spaces to not only, uh, deal with the things that we deal with, with our, you know, just our family with raising kids and, and being a family, um, and keeping a house and all of that day to day. But, um, also now that our, our focus is more full time on music, just really having to, uh, find time in the course of that day to learn how to really do good time management and, and so forth. Yeah. What you just said. Yeah. So yeah, where there was a, uh, in music pilots where there was a day gig, there is now, you know, planning for, like you said, for the business and how to, you know, how we're going to move ahead with that and business plans and that kind of thing. And actually, you know, believe it or not, scheduling meetings, like you would think, Hey, we live together. We don't have to. Yes. Yes. We do have to do that literally have to schedule meetings and that kind of thing. And then having, um, you know, the family, you know, and how we're, you know, moving forward with family and that kind of thing. Um, can't assume that, you know, just cause we're all in the house together, that there's just automatically going to be time, you know, time management thing is, is key right now. Yeah. And figuring, figuring that out. It's not catch as catch can. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know we'll dive into that a little bit more as we, uh, kind of continue to talk about you know, the, the collection of incredible musicians that is sitting in front of me, but let's start with kind of, you know, your each respective paths to, to where you are right now. And we'll start with you, Donna. You know, I always be very curious about how a creative, particularly a musician comes into, um, you know, the, the pull that their medium has on them. And, you know, there's always seems to be a, a collection of influences and inspirations. And I know, Donna, on, on your website, you know, it, 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 it does kind of, you know, there's some tidbits in there about how your mom and her music career was a pretty big influence on you. Can you, can you tell us a, little, a bit more about that? Yeah, I, I, I was part of a very musical family. Um, and they... All love singing. And I as far as I can remember, as early back as I as I go, I just remember people singing. My grandparents would sing, my uncles, my aunts, my mom sang. My mom sang all the time. My dad even sang. But um it was really my mom and um she always had music in the house, always had things playing. Uh and so I was uh, just drawn to that. I remember growing up, some of my earliest recollections would be um singing songs with her and then she'd say, okay, now, now take it a third, you know, or, or sing the harmony here or sing a low harmony and, you know, or, or aunts would come over or, or my aunt would come over or things like that, or just people singing and everybody would just jump in with a different harmony. So I really got like a lot of great ear training just from hearing that um, and, and being at those family functions where everybody would, would sing. Um, and my mom actually, uh, she wanted to, sing, I think, uh, but she spent most of her life at just working and, and raising a family. Um, and it wasn't until much later that she, I was able to get that chance. And it's, and, um, so, and I, 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 I can probably talk about that a little bit later, but, but, uh, she's, um, 
But she was a big influence in me starting to sing. And she was always really supportive in me wanting to do any of that. Um, and so I would just hold up all the time listening to music. We had everything in our household growing up. Um, what I mainly remember are albums. And we had everything from Beatles, Hard Days, Night, to Petula Clark's Greatest Hits, to Barbara Streisand Galore, uh, to Johnny Mathis, uh, uh, Bach, Mozart, uh, to, I mean, we had everything, um, to Stevie Wonder, uh, to Michael Jackson, who just, um, you name it, it was probably somewhere in our house. And I, you know, like, again, I remember Crystal Gale. I mean, I, we just had a wide range with everything from country to classical to, um, uh, jazz, 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 and more jazz. So, um, that was a, a big influence of what I listened to. So I wasn't buying albums when I was growing up. I just would go and, and pull out all these albums from my parents. And so when other kids were, I remember kids um, going and buying 45s to like the latest bands. I didn't do that until I was like 13. Um, I had these albums and listened to all this old stuff uh, that my parents had, whatever they had in their collection, um, I would listen to. And so um, while kids were listening to, I remember like, Kiss when I was growing up about sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Um, you know, I was listening to Jesus Christ Superstar or you know. So it was it was just a lot of music. And so I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to play an instrument too. We didn't have many in the in the house. I think we had a uh baritone horn. Uh that was my choice. And it was you know, so I was like, yeah, if you want to play, you can play the baritone. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> um, but uh, I, you know, I, I did eventually pick up piano um, a little bit later and uh, and I wanted to I wanted to sing. I was a musical kid, too. I was musicals in terms of I loved musicals. My mom also loved musicals. And so we would listen. I knew all of the golden era of musicals backwards and forwards, again, from those old albums from my mom. Um and so I thought for a very long time that I wanted to do musical theater. So I actually got pretty much started with a lot of musical theater. I would audition for things um, that, uh, you know, in my teen years. But it started at high school. I really was kind of late to the game in that um, high school. I was always a kind of a shy and a little bit introverted kid. Um, but I loved to sing and I knew I had like this this thing in me that that liked to write that liked to listen to music um and so uh i remember in high school they were doing a musical i was a freshman and this is this is kind of like my first really big thing that pushed me into music um and i auditioned and i didn't make it and i was kind of devastated because it's my first time putting myself out there to actually sing but i remember after getting off the stage the director of the high school play, um, he he pulled me aside as I was walking past him, all dejected, and he goes, "You have an incredible voice. You're just not ready yet." He, he said, "Just you need some confidence. You need to feel assured that you can do this." And he said, "Come back next year." And for whatever reason, I locked into that, um, and I and that year I really worked on pushing myself to come out kind of come out of my shell and I went back the next year and auditioned and the play was Grease and I ended up playing Sandy Dombrowski 
I got the lead role. And that was it. That started it for me. That was like, that's when I knew, okay, I can, I can actually do this. And he was right. I, I kind of needed to take a year and build my confidence. And then when I came back in that sophomore year, um, I got the lead. So I had this big Afro wig. Like when Sandy comes out with her big transformation at the end of Greece, I had like, it was, it was fun. It was the, one of the best experiences ever. But um, that was where I got the first dose of I can do this. And then from there, um, I would be, I, I did a lot of singing with my school choirs and, and things like that. Um, eventually leading me to kids from Wisconsin. And, and that was a great training ground for me. Um, I, I got to go all over Wisconsin, met a lot of friends, made a lot of friends through that experience. Uh, so I would recommend that for any young person that's in their teens that are really trying to build that kind. I learned so much about just mic technique and learning quickly and absorbing music and working as an ensemble um, through that experience. Uh, and then I went to college <laughs> and, and I was, a, again, musical theater kid. I thought my path was going to be musical theater because with kids from Wisconsin I, and, and the musicals at, in my high school, I was dancing, I was singing, I loved acting. Um, and so I, there was a program at UW-LIM called um, Intra Arts, where you could kind of be the triple threat. You could, you could study and, and, and do something in each category, uh, in dance and music uh, and um, theater. And so it was great. I, I really loved that program. It was, um, it was just what I needed at that time. And then they ended it. And they said there just wasn't enough students, I guess, that wanted to be, you know, wanted to do it all in, at at that particular point. And um, and so I went back to the drawing board. Uh, I also come from a family of educators. My mom was a teacher. Uh, my grandparents, uh, my aunts, uh, uncles, and things like that. They a lot of people taught um, school, and so uh, I thought, well, if that door closed. I'm going to kind of do this second love of mine, which is English. I've always loved reading. I've always loved writing. Um, and um, I, so I started to look into just being a teacher. And I thought, well, maybe I'll do this music thing on the side then. Um, and so I ended up transferring to UW-Madison, uh, got my English degree, but music was still there. I was still, I still ended up taking like every music class I could take, um, dance class and things like that. Cause I think I still really wanted to do the music and, and the teaching. But, uh, and people started to notice and they started to recommend me to folks who were playing around Madison. Sure. Um, I was with, uh, one of the first bands that I remember was a, a gentleman by the name of Jonathan Overby. Uh, who had me uh, in, a, in a band uh, or sing with him. Uh, I remember uh, performing some, um, a few perf uh, shows with uh, Richard Davis, who was one of my teachers. He was a, a bass play player and, and teacher in Madison, and I was in a vocal jazz class of his. So I was still doing a lot of music through that, also getting involved in the plays and things, but at the same time, just getting my degree in English. Um, so I started to see them as kind of like two separate paths. Like I would do this so that I could like, you know, get an apartment in a car. <laughs> and then and then I would do music on the side. Um, and so I've always had kind of like these these two paths. And that was that was part of my start into everything. Gotcha. Yeah. And and, and you've 
you've really kind of leaned into, I mean, it seems like you've had a ton of influences from a musical perspective. I mean, it seems like you're in your house, you had this like just collection, this library of whatever you wanted, but you really leaned into the jazz. And it seems as though that your, your grandfather had an influence on that kind of, you know, it's listed on your website that he would encourage you to just sit and, yep. and listen to the, to the swing and diva, yes. <laughs> you know? And so like Ella Fitzgerald and, yep. and Nancy Wilson and Sarah Vaughn, yep. like, you know, what was it about the jazz influence that kind of made you zoom in on that particular style of music? Well, again, I think that was so prevalent with um, my grandparents, my mom, my aunts. And that, that's what they listened to. That's what they grew up with. We had all these other styles of music, but at the core of everything was jazz. And it, it was like just, you know, you don't know music until you listen to Duke Ellington, Cal Basie, uh, Ella Fitzgerald, Billie Holiday, Sarah Vaughan. So, so I would go to my grandfather's house and we spent a lot of time. I'm originally from St. Louis. So we would spend a lot of time uh, at my grandparents' house and to walk through the door, he'd like, yeah, come on over here. I want you to listen to this. And, you know, I'm eight years old going, <laughs> you know, at, at first, uh, you know, because, you know, no eight-year-old wants to sit and listen to, you know, to your grandparents' music at first. And so, uh, but he would always do that and, and um, he'd play it. And then, I, you know, I, I just would, I loved it. I, and as I got with each year, um, I just started to know those songs. They just were kind of like ingrained with me. So I don't, you know, so I know them. And then, you know, and just hearing, you know, like I said, you just listen to it. It trains your ear. You, you listen to, you know, their inflections, just know how to interpret a song. Um, and so I listen to all of, you know, like everything from Nat King Cole to, to Ella Fitzgerald. So I feel like even now, a lot of what I write and do is kind of grounded in that jazz because that was such a strong base. Like that was the base, and then everything else uh, came, you know, after that was layered on top of that. And but that was always there, and I attribute that to my grandfather. Yeah, um, you know, I, I you, we can kind of use this as a transition uh, to Ethan because I'm super curious about your story. I know I know less about it, um, but. But, you know, I've, I've always heard, you know, from musicians, particularly jazz musicians, that if you can play and sing jazz, you are, like, you can play and sing anything because there's so much kind of impromptu nature to it and really having to tune into the chemistry of your of your bandmates and being able to just kind of create in the moment. Um, it's it's less rehearsed, you know? It's more kind of in that moment. And, and so I would imagine that both of you have um, you know, an appreciation for your ability to understand jazz and, and play jazz because it kind of opens up your arsenal to being able to do pretty much anything. If if I understand, you know, kind of that foundation of, of learning jazz correctly, would you say that that is, uh, that is how you think about it? Like, can you, can you pretty much come into any style of music and play that? And can you attribute that to your jazz influences? I would say that's a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I... I learned uh, primarily from ear. When I say by ear, uh, by listening to something and being able to, you know, know what key they're in and uh, pretty much just start playing along with it. And that was a big draw for me when I first started playing. Uh, always, I always um, had, I just had that ability before knowing I, I had it, I guess. Um, and uh, I remember my brother, my brother and, uh, my father and I, and way back when, earned a car together, and I was a little kid. I don't know, 
in elementary school age, younger. And my brother was just kind of cycling through the AM dial and <clears throat> I screamed something from the backseat, like, go back. That was da-da-da-da-da, you know, whatever song it was. And my brother's like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Shut up. Da-da-da-da. He goes back. He's like, crap, the kid was right, you know. And I remember him telling me back, we whatever, telling me that story. We both kind of laughed it off or whatever. But um, playing jazz kind of honed that, you know, skill, you know what I mean? Um Jazz will help you to do that, and there's there is that improvisatory nature of it. There is you don't just jump in and just do what you want. There are rules that are there, you know what I mean. Uh, but once you're there within that, then you can kind of operate within that, you know, that framework, you know, that in- infrastructure. Uh, bass, drums, uh, piano, guitar; those are all rhythm section in- instruments, and you're there, and you're usually backing up vocalist or you know lead instrument you know sax you know one of the horns or something like that and while they are improvising within those rules that i really want to go into right now you're kind of backing those guys up and you're listening to what they're doing and you're following what they're doing rhythmically or what they're doing melodically or harmonically and that is i'm not i'm hoping i'm not getting too deep here but you're listening for all these different cues you're listening to what the rhythm section is doing you're also listening to whatever that lead instrument's doing so uh when you're doing uh, something in a pop medium, you're doing that. You're not doing it on that same level. If you did it on that same level, people would get pretty tired pretty quickly. So you're still, but it, it helps you to kind of fit into different, you know, mediums or uh, genres, as it were. I don't like the word genre. That's a whole different thing. Like we can maybe get into that later or not. <laughs> but um, yes, it does. It does help you. Uh, stylistically, I don't know if you want to take a jazz style, as it were, and try to do it in different areas, because that, it doesn't fit, you know, square pick, round, round hole. You don't necessarily want to do that, but there are some basic things that go from, obviously, from different, you know, style, from style to style. I mean, it's, it's going to be rhythm, there's going to be melody, there's going to be harmony, you know, that's all going to go from, from different styles. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that little look into it, because, um, you know, there's a ton of musicians, I think, that really good musicians but they don't necessarily um have a clear understanding of those like check out jazz principles that opens up that ability to be but more improvised um so you 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 know ethan you started to talk about just like the early influence and you know sitting in the back of the car you know picking out a song um you know what what were like how did you come into into just music in general, but then also make that transition for in, internally from like, you know, I really love listening to music to now I want, I want to create it. What were those inspirations and influences? Um, yeah, nature and nurture and all that good stuff. I guess my mom's side of the family, my grandmother, maternal grandmother, uh, she, uh, was a, uh, pianist and she was in the church, grew up in the church and, uh, United Methodist. Uh, so a little more, not, not a, uh, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Not a uh, sanctified background, a little more, if you want to call it square. Uh, that's how I feel growing up. I often felt constricted. I wanted to wanted to get wild. I wanted to, you know, play so I was a little more up or whatever, and then just a little more. But <laughs> she grew up in the church, and she was a church musician. And uh, so there was a lot of that. I would go to church in the morning, go to church every Sunday. And she was there. She was uh, she wasn't the choir director, but she was there. She was, you know, uh, you know, playing, you know, at, at the piano. Uh, my aunt uh, was also there. She was the organist, so she was there. And my mom uh, was in the uh, choir. And uh, uh, she, I could 
to this day, I can hear her voice singing alto, you know what I mean? So there was that strong, there was that, that was there. Um, there was the ear that was there. I can look back on it now and can see, oh, yeah, I was hearing all sorts of things before I knew it was there. Uh, picked up violin and don't know why exactly, but started playing violin. Started doing pretty good with that. Uh, and actually, I fell, I'll back up a little bit. Before violin, there was piano. Uh, and my grandmother was my first uh, teacher, but that was not a good match. She, <laughs> she, was, she was kind of a taskmaster. You know, the ruler would come out if something was going wrong. You know, the hand position technique wasn't right. The ruler would come out and it was, yeah, yeah, that didn't last long. Uh, but I did learn, you know, treble and bass clef and, you know, basics and that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, then we moved to violin and violin went great, took to it well, played, um, uh, played in the uh, uh, school orchestra and that kind of thing, MPS, and uh, progressed to the point where my parents actually paid for private lessons, which was a big thing with them because they weren't going to waste money. Uh, Dad did various uh, jobs and whatnot. He was a cab driver for most of uh, uh, most of the time that I was in school. Uh, Mom was in MPS uh, ended uh, as a principal at high school of the arts, actually, before she retired. She was in uh, MPS for a very long time for as, as a career. Uh, but that was a big thing for them to spend that money, and they let me know that. <laughs> it was, I was actually, it's funny now, it wasn't funny then. I was like, you know, putting more of that weight on my shoulders. So uh played violin, was playing violin, and uh, had an orchestra teacher, Ken Kalfas. He was probably the teacher that I'll, I'll, I will always go back to. He was one of the biggest influences I had, Ken Kalfas. He was uh, the orchestra director at uh, King Middle School, which was part of... Uh, the high school is not the existing King Middle School right now. It's a pre-existing program. Um, but anyway, the, uh, the middle school and high school were both in the uh, building that's uh, over on uh, uh, Olive now, Bruce King High School. Anyway, uh, he was the orchestra director, and he also taught guitar. He was a guitar player and a uh, really dedicated guy. Uh, he offered to give me lessons before school started. So we're talking like 7 a.m. He, he offered to give me lessons. So I would... Here I lived, it was about a 20 minute walk. I would walk to school uphill both ways, three feet of snow. Yes, yes. Uh, but I would I would uh, show up seven in the morning and he would give me guitar lessons. Very soon we noticed that I'm playing only the top four strings of the guitar, which are, which is basically the bass. Those are the four strings of the bass. Right. And I'm playing all this stuff and it's all by ear and I'm picking up all these different things. You know, I'm playing superstition. I'm playing, you know, the clav, the clav part, you know, the starts out, you know, whatever. Playing all these different things and, uh, He's kind of looking at me and saying, yeah, we, we're just going to show you bass. Because <laughs> I'm essentially playing bass. And just kind of took to it. And uh, before long, I'm playing bass lines that I hadn't, that they were just kind of there. So that's what I was listening to. So bass was like it. That's, you know, that's what I was listening to. So bass and violin kind of coexisted for a while. And pretty soon, violin just kind of got pushed out of the picture. So I get accepted, uh, you know, fast forward, I get accepted at... UW-Eau Claire, and I'm there. Jazz musician. Yes, there, there's a, yeah, I'll, I'll try to push through that. Um, so I'll uh, push up to that. I'm at Eau Claire for a semester, and uh, the uh, there's a closet where you, in our house, our old house there, you know, you walk in, hang up your closet, hang up your clothes, whatever, and it would get kind of crowded sometimes. You could kind of hide things. My violin that my parents bought, there's another thing they let me know about. We're going to buy this violin. You've got to learn it, you know. Uh, kind of in the back corner there. 
I get a call towards the end of the first semester. Yeah, we just found your violin here. So what are you doing there? You know, I'm a music major. So what are you doing there? I'm I'm playing bass. I'm playing upright bass in the orchestra. I'm playing uh, upright and electric bass in uh, the second jazz ensemble there while I'm there. They think I'm playing violin in orchestra. And I don't, yeah, they know I'm in jazz ensemble. That's, that's, that's obvious because I love, you know, jazz. And I'm playing jazz ensemble in high school before I even get to Eau Claire. Uh, so, yeah, bass just took over. I would, um, I would uh, sometimes wake up in the, in the middle of the night when I was still in high school. Uh, bass, I just had my bass on a, you know, guitar stand next to my bed. I would just wake up and start playing. I would practice for like a couple hours in the middle of the night. You know, the stuff you can do when your parents, you know, are taking care of all the bills. You got a roof over your head. You don't have to take care of stuff. Yeah, you can just, yeah, and you're 15 years old. You don't need sleep, you know. But, uh, but yeah, uh, all four years of uh, high school, I was in, uh, well, actually three years of high school, I was in jazz ensemble. Did the uh, uh, King at that point did musicals every year. So I was in uh, the musicals all four years. The uh, choir, the director there had a swing choir. So I was always, you know, doing swing choir. Uh, WSMA's uh, uh, Wisconsin School Music Association. You know, they would do the the big music contest and that kind of thing. Solo as well as ensemble. I would do solo uh, violin. I would do uh, uh, I would back. I would do the uh, just said a swing choir. Swing choir would do the group competitions. Uh, jazz ensemble would do the group competitions as well. Did all of that stuff all the way through high school. So it was heavily involved. Oh, the the biannual, biannual uh, music festival in MPS would do that all of the time. Uh, anything that I could do on the side, like friends that were doing bands and that kind of thing, whatever was big at the time, you know, any kind of R&B or funk or whatever, anything, anything that I could do musically, I was doing. Um, so all of that, uh, jazz, I didn't really get into until, I mean, like straight ahead jazz, like with the, uh, upright bass and that kind of thing. Didn't really get into that until towards the end of high school and definitely hit it in earnest, uh, in college. And that wasn't really part of the curriculum yet. Uh, the guy that really took it and started running with it and is still there at UW-Eau Claire now is Bob Baca. And that was my uh, sophomore year. And I'm really dating myself. He didn't come to Eau Claire until my sophomore year uh, at Eau Claire. So we were talking a ways back. But you got me, great guy. Crazy amounts of energy uh, came in and built, really rebuilt the program. There was a guy that was there before back in the 70s, Dominic Spera. And uh, Bob uh, Baca was actually a student of Sparrow's at uh, U of I, University of uh, Indiana, Bloomington, which, of course, is one of the music programs in the well, world, really. I was going to say in the, uh, the U.S., but uh, in the, uh, excuse me, in the uh, uh, 70s, 60s and 70s, uh, Dominic Sparrow was at UW-Eau Claire. And Eau Claire was known as a big uh, performance school, music performance school. He left and went to uh, U of I, and while he was there, uh, Bob Baca was one of Dominic Sparrow's students, and Bob ends up coming to uh, Eau Claire, and the rest is history as far as that's concerned. Eventually, I left uh, Eau Claire, uh, took a year off, uh, went to uh, La Crosse, and uh, was at La Crosse for a couple of years, and then came to uh, Milwaukee, and was in Milwaukee for a couple of years, and was in bands, and was a uh, fixture on the east side, uh, played in a couple of bands on the east side, had, had a lot of fun. Uh, played in a band called Psychedelicacy, which was like Hendrix meets Parliament, Funkadelic. Had, had a lot of fun in that band. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, was in that band and uh, eventually um, ended up 
uh, in another band, and Donna and I met in that band, and the rest is history. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it to there because that's what I want to dive into next. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever interviewed husband-wife duo. Um, I know we have a, another, a couple other husband-wife duos in the Wisconsin music ventures community uh, with Seven Thousand Apart and Wise Jennings and and Sid Kitty Sid, um, but but your 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 true story is like kind of you know they they merge at this point. Um, so you, you, you meet each other through playing in the same band. Like, can you, can you just take a, a few minutes here to tell me about like that experience? Just reflect on that and how it's gotten to where it is now. Two minutes, go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, um, I've been, I've been gigging in Madison graduated, got my degree, uh, in English, came back here to teach. So I was teaching here, and at the same time, uh, kind of like Ethan going on his path and starting his gig with bands and things like that, I had started to get a lot of calls, you know, to sing with this group or that group, and and had a lot of different experiences, everything from like a big big bands in the Madison area, in Monroe area, to like rock band in Monroe area stuff. So um, I say this because um, it kind of leads me to Milwaukee, so I'm teaching and I'm singing at the same time. Uh, and for whatever, I, I managed to connect that with um, two really big bands at the time, two really uh, big bands at the time. Um, and the one where we met was Street Life with Warren Wheatgrass. Um, Warren Wheatgrass is just a wonderful musician, wonderful person, and we've been we've known him for many, many years. And um, I believe at the time, their pick group was kind of going through some transition um, and they were looking to uh, add a few new people. And so I came in and auditioned as, a, as the vocalist for the group. And Ethan, I think you came in at the same time as the bass player. Was looking, yeah, they were looking for a vocalist, bass player, and keyboard player. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dada and I came in at the same time as uh, Terry Sams, actually. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. And so we were really young. I mean, we, and um, we were, um, uh, we got into the group. He, ironically, we had known each other. I was just saying, not known each other. We had um, crossed paths many times before, uh, but without knowing it. We had, uh, in fact, it wasn't until um, much later after we were married that we would talk and we'd go like, were you at like all city music? You had mentioned the, you know, being involved in MPS. I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. So I mentioned MPS, Milwaukee Public Schools, and the fact that I was, uh, you know, took part in the biannual music festival. So for people that might not, you know, know about this, MPS every year does a huge, uh, if every other year biannually, every two years, does a uh, huge music festival. And uh, I uh, and Donna took part in this. And uh, I'm not going to say the year because, yeah, I do remember the year. But uh, <laughs> Donna and I took part in um, the swing choir. So it's a, kind of a select group. And I shouldn't say kind of. It was a select group. And uh, swing choir is a smaller group, but it was a, it was a collection of uh, uh, kids from all of the uh, high schools in MPS. And they were all put together in this swing choir, which is a smaller group. 
And I was in the rhythm section, as I said before, rhythm section, bass, keys, drums, so on and so forth. And uh, uh, Donna was part of the entertainers in that group. And I didn't know Donna was in the group because there was no way I was going to be looking at all of these girls bouncing around in leotards. There's no way I would have been able to read music and look at the gym. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, earth, wind, and fire. All right. Okay. Here we go. There we go. Yeah, they're dancing right there, but nope, reading this music right here. Mm. Yes, sir. Yeah, and it wasn't until, like I said, much later where we're... we're... I'm, I'm not done. So, so that was that was the first time. Okay. Second time, we actually did meet each other, but we didn't remember. I remember. I met her on UWO Claire's campus, and she was uh, there visiting a friend, and I met her then, and uh, that was the second time. Yeah, we, we had a series of a lot of little meet cues before yep. we actually... Yep. I like to say God was kind of there. He was like, yep, you're not ready yet. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't hit. Yeah. No, you go this way, you go this way. You guys aren't ready to meet yet. And again, it wasn't until years later where it's like, you know what? I was When I was in Eau Claire visiting my friend, and he goes, you were the girl on the hill. And I was like, you were the boy on the hill. Yep. You know, it's like, it like really like. The third time is creepy or not creepy. I don't know. You well, I, I, no, we were, we were, again, we were at a, um, uh, I was at a venue with a friend of mine who was uh, a musician who was playing. That's not the third time. And pardon? That's not the third time. Third time? What was that? The fourth time? That was that was the that was the third time. The second time you were gigging, and I saw you on stage, and I'm like, I'm going to talk to her. I'm not going to talk to her. I'm going to talk to her. I'm not going to talk. I was. I'm out. I do that. Yes. Oh, you didn't know that until now. Quit kidding. I didn't tell you this story. Well, anyway, what's funny is we were talking about this where literally uh, uh, had been married maybe a year, maybe two years, and we're having this conversation, like going over like all these times that we like met before. But yeah, that was it. So the first time was, uh, you know, the one of the rehearsals of what it was, All City Swing Choir. Second time was Eau Claire. Third time was you on stage. Uh, wow. Fourth time was you when yeah yeah I, there yeah was, there was a jam session right there was like a jam session. yeah something like that and and a friend of mine was playing and I was I was there just kind of sitting hanging out as by myself um, and there was this guy and I and I have to set this up because yeah there's this guy kind of who was introduced to me through our mutual friend that was playing at the time. Um, and he had a, like, gosh, I swear it was, I felt like it was like a Hawaiian shirt and, a, and you had an afro at the time. Magnum P.I. vibe. Smiling. Shirt. Friendly. Uh, at that moment. It was a rough time. Leave you alone. <laughs> and, and he was there watching and I'm sitting there watching. You're not going to talk about the hairdo? And he was, a, he was an afro. It, Back when I could do that. It was quite the impressive afro. This was. Uh, but, I, I love that pride. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, um. Then he had to beard. He had to be. I think he had to beard then too. And so, uh, you know, and I just remember sitting and thinking at that time, you know, if this guy would just be friendly or smile, could I be sitting together and and like just you know watch the show and we wouldn't be sitting here uh-huh. like looking like really awkward by our respective selves. And you know, and I wasn't, it wasn't anything going on. I just we just I just thought you know, I, you know, fellow musician or whatever and. Um, and again, it wasn't until years later when we realized you were the guy with the hair, <laughs> you know. And the last time we met was in Street Life. Right. Then the last time was this. Yes. And at that time, 
since we were we were we we would be in rehearsals in street life and we just when we finally did formally meet we would just we were just sit in the garden yeah the garden was that we would just laugh and and have fun and 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 had a lot in common especially with our backgrounds and things like that and i remember the sound guy in the band uh he's really really great guy um richard andrew he looked at us and he said uh, he he's like, I predict you guys will get married. And we were like, no. <laughs> like, yeah. And what was hilarious is we were already dating at that point. <laughs> and the band had no idea we were dating. And Richard looks at us and he's like, uh, you guys are going to get married. You got variety. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, how does he know? What is going on? And so we yeah. had all of the, like I said, all of the little moments beforehand and um, that led up to that with Street Life. And so yes. and then and then that was. Mm-hmm. How long were were you dating before you kind of believed what what he had said? Oh yeah, we are. It wasn't very long for me. Although we were young, we weren't young. I guess um, we are. I guess we're we're old school now, and I I definitely was old school then. My uh, uh, I guess I got something from my my dad in this. Um, my parents were married at twenty one, and. Uh, you know, ah, just a, just a old school, and I was also older and had been through, had been through enough to know. You know, I was dating Donna, and I I knew. You know, I I you know we were, what was I? I was twenty nine years old, which might sound young nowadays, but you know, as far as I was concerned, I had been through enough. Sure. Yeah. 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 So, what was it like? I mean. Playing music together, I assume that was, um, you know, a part of the foundation of the relationship and the chemistry that y'all picked up on. Um, do do you have any any memories of like jam sessions or performances where you're like, oh yeah, you know, he really gets me or she really gets me or like, well, this works together not only in performance but but also in in kind of this life partnership. I think it just we gigged so much in that group. Um, that at the time, because we were, they were the house band for the Milwaukee Bucks back at the Bradley Center. And so we would see each other, I would say, gosh, almost every, almost every day of the week, you know. And so you would, from that, you just start, you start talking, you start hanging out. And musically, um, you know, we really got each other because we both have always loved a wide palette of music. We've always loved lots of different uh, genres. We've always had an appreciation um, for different styles and things like that. So, um, it was easy for us to connect on that level. Um, and so I think just playing with each other all the time, um, like that uh, gave us a chance to really get to know each other. Um, and then, uh, I always loved your playing. I I just, you know, you, you were, you were just really good. And I, and I just liked listening to you and things like that. And then you would, you know, I think somehow that evolved into us, um, Kind of, I know you used to play on around on the keys and keyboard, you know, and our, we're together. And then I would do some things, and then we just started kind of noticing what we would sit together. Um, we could produce some pretty good things. You, you were, um, I was usually, yeah, you know, I would, I would come up with a, like a melody or lyrics or things like that. You knew how to translate that into 
you know, the tangible and then bring your own groove to it and things like that. So it's just, it kind of. There are things that, you know, just are there if you're with another musician and you like being together. I mean, kind of like being in a band together. Um, I was in situations before going back to, you know, middle school or what have you, where you were with another musician because there were things, there were commonalities that were there. Uh, style of music, uh, musicians that you both liked, you know, whatever it was. That's what brought you together. And then there were other things on top of that that you liked. So uh, in Donna, um, loved her voice, love her voice, will always love her voice. She has one of the most unique voices I've ever heard. I tell her that all the time. Don't know that she hears me when I say that. So Donna, you have one of the most unique voices I have ever heard, ever will hear. And I hope you hear that when I tell you that. Uh, I get back on the point. I come up. Thank you. Got it. Um, so, uh, so there's that. So, uh, love her presence on stage. Uh, love uh, her rapport with the audience. I mean, there's 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 all of those things, and would see it, would kind of see it with street life. Um, but then when we would do gigs outside of street life, we'd see that anymore because she had to carry that when she was in street life. She felt like she had to carry it because she was stepping out of other situations where there was even there were even more people on stage with her. When she stepped into street life, there were less people on stage. When she stepped into her own outside of street life, then there was even more that she had to step into, you know, uh, so progressively stepping out into her own. <clears throat> so there was a there was that loved seeing all of that. But as I said before, uh, as a musician, when you're in a band, you're in that band for a reason. If you're doing, if you're there by choice, I guess is what I'm saying. If you like being there, there are other, there are other situations that you're there for because it's viable in other ways. You know what I mean? Uh, I've been doing wedding bands, cover bands forever. I mean, that's, that's the first thing I did, you know, was there, I was there because I was there because it made sense for me to be there in another way. Cause I was there to make money. Okay. So uh, in this particular instance, uh, I'm there because we share so much in common. I mean, you heard her story, you heard my story, the way that we grew up. Uh, we are about the same age, we're the same generation. Um, her family loved jazz. My family, same difference. My family is a little older. My parents are a little older than her parents. But at the same time, there's so much there, so many commonalities there in terms, of, especially with jazz. And then you start to branch out from that blues. My mom uh, loves jazz. My dad, uh, my, my parents loved jazz. Dad really loved the blues. Um, so there's that commonality there. Mom loved uh, loved um, shows, loved show tunes, that kind of thing. That's what led me into uh, doing the, you know, the musicals and that kind of thing. Uh, did musicals in high school, did a lot of musicals at the rep, was at the rep for over 10 years doing musicals there. So, I mean, there's, there's all of those things that we do together, uh, rock, pop, all of those different things. So we sit down, when we sat, started to sit down outside of street life, like she said, sitting down and uh, she would share tunes with me. It was like writing with, you know, uh, friends that, you know, like, like I've been doing, like I said, since middle school. So it was all of those things starting to come together. Plus, she's fine. So, you know, so there's all of that coming together. I mean, there's all of that coming together. And it was just, I mean, so much of it was just, just a no-brainer. So much of it was a no-brainer. Um, I don't know what else to say. It was just all of that coming together. So, you know, it's 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 one kind of journey in life to, um, you know, for a musician to, to, to choose the path of music 
at the, the musician's venture, if you will, um, and to kind of, you know, pun intended, marry that with the, the venture of, of marriage. Yes. Right. Um, I just, I'm really curious about how that all works together. I mean, you made mention earlier, like, yeah, you, you, you live together, but you do have to like schedule meetings, you know, for the business and for music and stuff like that. The owl has the co the kind of co-partnership in the musician's venture, uh, you know, interacted with the, the co-partnership of the marriage venture and, and vice versa. Does it reinforce? Are there lines that you, I mean, what, what, what advice would you give to, to anybody else who's trying to, to, to make a music career with, with their significant other? Cause I'm sure that's gotta be like a unique journey. <laughs> I don't know, because there's so much of it. It's just you know, so much of it is just jump in and do it. Um, I don't know that there's, and I I think part of it too is to uh, when you're working so closely with someone and you're married to them like that, um, to make sure that you honor their space and their needs, um, and and their goals, you know, um, as well. Um, I think that you. You're working together, and yet you still have to kind of. You're also individuals in terms of the styles and the things that you like to do, and the things that you want to play, and and, and things like that. And you can't just always assume uh, as you know, that that person is going to, you know, uh, be as into a, a particular thing as you are. But you want to give them that space to explore it um, and and do it. Um, so I think for for us, a lot of it and, and lowering your roles, knowing falling into the strengths that you both have. So I think that's probably the biggest key and probably other people who are married do that. They probably you organically kind of fall into the your the roles that your personality or you get slapped into it. <laughs> so, you know, um so, so quite often uh Ethan is kind of like almost a musical director, head of half of, of our of our duo with, with that. Um I would you know, um we I tend to do lean more on a lot of the the business kind of things like that or front you know, front person or their face, um, the the communications person that, you know, talking to and things like that. Um, Ethan is getting the equipment together, making sure that it all runs and, and how to set it up and snag out the tech writer. I watch a lot of YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you kind of fall into the roles that make it really easy. And then, and, um, and like I said, you also just want to be mindful that, you know, like I said, you're, you're, you're still independent and can, can you do the, the different things that you also love. So, you, you know, it's not a, like a complete melding is, is one, but um, you just really um, fall into those roles of, of, um, kind of who's, who's strong. Yeah. You go with your strengths. You go with the strength. Yeah. And just like any other, anything else you're into you, there's a certain amount of grace you have to extend as well. Yeah. And you find that, especially with kids, once you have kids, you, you find that as well, you know? Yeah. And being respectful, that being said too, like, you know, when you have kids, you've got other duties as well. 
So, you know, there are times when you have to just be mindful of, okay, Ethan needs to practice. Like, Ethan, I express, I really want to practice. You know, I really want to get my practice. At, and, you know, so maybe, uh, you know, I'll shift and take on some other things so he might be able to get that time to do that or, you know, or vice versa. Um, but like I said, being being respectful of what the other person needs out of the music career too and giving and hopefully finding the time to mm. to do that too. Yeah. And time management becomes key. It's, yeah. Do you feel that your, your partnership in music has strengthened your partnership in marriage and or vice versa? Or does it, does it, does it make it difficult to kind of separate or is this, there's a synergistic kind of relationship between the two aspects of life and the marriage? Marriage has an effect on the business relationship. Yeah. And also uh, that, I think kids are key kids at least help me in terms of uh, patience and it's kind of, uh, I don't know if metaphor is the word, but <clears throat> having uh, kids really kind of calm me down a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it, there's a there's a bigger thing than all of this, you know. Yeah. And I, is it safe to assume that, that your kids are kind of growing up with a similar, similar environment of influence so, yeah. in music? They've kind of taken it and run, and, you know, the teachers become the master kind of a deal. It's going to happen. So there's the, you know, there's not so much an influence from us to them. It's kind of flowing. It's flowing back. It's flowing back and forth, which is kind of a, a cool thing. And I think it's the, the technology aspect of it is what's kind of making that happen. I love that relationship, especially with, uh, you know, the tech and the phones, you know what I mean? And I'm getting files from my, my youngest, especially. She's throwing stuff back at me. And I'm like, whoa, she'll... I'm listening to something that she's listening to, and I'm like, ah, oh, you need to check this out. This is from, like, 1971 or whatever, but you need to check this out. She's, like, she's really into, uh, uh, what's the, the Bruno Mars and what's his name, the drummer. Silk Sonic. She's huge into Silk Sonic. I'm like, oh, this, and I feel, I feel like the guy on the corner, and I'm literally the guy on the corner. The house sits on the corner, and I feel like, you know, pulling up his pants, you know, he's wearing plaids and stripes or whatever, you know, they know. This is what you need to listen to. Here's where they got their stuff from. You know, she's like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, it's it's very cool. And they show those stuff back to me. And very cool. It's a very cool thing. Getting music as well or just consuming right now? Both. Yeah, both. But she's kind of an anomaly. And I am, yes, I am a dad. Yes, it is subjective. But in a lot of ways, it is objective as well. She's, she's something else. She does a lot of different things. Uh, the oldest, my oldest as well. Um, but yeah. It's a very cool dynamic. Do you think there's a there's a an evolution here where like the family becomes part of the, the group? <laughs> or no, maybe maybe we'll see. All along, um, and I wish that they they would, but they just like doing their. But the thing the thing is, they are both very young right now, and, and that that in terms of that development, I mean, the older I get, um, man. Just having gone through, uh, Donna's already been through it. I've gone through it now. Dad passed in 17. Mom died, uh, passed away in 19. I've gone Going through that and still just, you know, once once that happens, man, it's just, it's just going, going through that and still just seeing that experience, seeing stages of life um, and being able to look back on things that they said and did and interactions that I had with both of them. And then, you know, looking back on my kid, looking at my kids now and where they are 
There's no teller. There's no teller. They could years, several years from now, be very much intertwined with what we're doing or us with them. You know what I mean? Who knows? Seems like you're open to whatever yeah. the future may be. Yeah. The thing is, we don't know. We have no idea. We have no idea. Absolutely. <laughs> Cheryl's an incredible singer. Yeah. Yeah. As an artistic, visually, visual. It's all around them. Yeah. So, yeah. so they, they use all of that. Like Ethan said, they even surpass us sometimes with uh, their musical sensibilities yeah. and their... And their yeah, that's not a surprise. The, yeah. And even the tech end of it. Yeah. I'm still trying. I, I haven't given it up hope yet. Well, you, you never know what life is going to throw at you, so that that's my main point. No idea. That's awesome. I love to hear the story, like the story of you two and the cop. The family is coming coming into it now. It's just there's a whole kind of uh, I don't know. Like this is maybe it seems like a bold word, but there's like a like an empire here. Yeah. Just picking up on that. Um, yeah, and uh, so while I am, I'm, I'm very grateful for our time here at, at Podcast Town Studios, uh, we are uh, we are a bit limited in terms of how long we can talk. Um, so you know, I do want to kind of you know at least bring this element of the conversation to a close, and you know, we might we might we might do a part two because there's so 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 many questions I have. For the two of you, we haven't even really delved into the Donald Woodall group and just like, you know, the longevity that it's experienced and the, the evolution and different formations of it and whatnot. Um, and I did that just be really curious also to get your thoughts on, you know, the Milwaukee music scene and just how it's changed. But, you know, as we kind of bring, you know, the conversation about each of your two individual ventures and how it's now come into one to a close, like what do you think is the most important, you know, thing? or skill that you've developed either respectively or as a duo that has, has, has led to the success and, and the happiness that you've experienced with, with your music careers? I, I, I would say maybe communicating or just... Um... Well, as an instrumentalist, I mean, what I always, what I always come back to is just with... with uh, just stylistically being able to kind of get in where you fit in as far as I always, what I've always done, just being able to play in different styles, being able to play different styles of music, I guess that's always kind of been my calling card. Um, I guess like just being open to each other's ideas, um, just being, um, patience with just uh you know when we're when we're trying to communicate to um the things that we need um in terms of uh writing music or performing together or and things like that uh like you said grace grace and patience um uh trusting each other trust uh and i, I don't know if that kind of answer of course this whole right i'm just curious like um, you know, it's always something a bit different with, with all musicians, but, you know, cause we're all different human beings and we, we lead on different aspects of our personality and, and things that we've learned, but you guys, you, you, you both have, you know, created very 
respectable music careers uh, for your for yourselves, but then together, you know, it's just the Donna Woodall group. It's 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 a, it's safe to say that that is it's a staple in the Milwaukee music scene, and and you've graced so many stages. I mean, you have these you know regular residencies at St. Kate's and Caroline's, and you know uh, Blue at the Fister. And, uh, I'm really uh, excited to to continue this conversation. So I hope I hope. You know, maybe uh, in the near future, be willing to give me a little bit more of your time and story because I want to tell the story yeah. of, of the Donald Woodall group. But there's just with a career as long as yours has, yeah. has been already, um, there's so much more to dive into. So, uh, really appreciate the two of you sitting down for at least this chapter of this <laughs> conversation. And you know, want to want to thank our hosts here at Podcast Town and Hans, who was running the. Turn the dials and, and, and pushing the levers and buttons and whatnot. Well, you don't push levers, you pull levers, but you push buttons. So Hans, thank you for, for, for holding it down here. And I would say to our listeners, stay tuned. You know, I think we're going to do another, another section of this. So thanks, uh, Donna and Ethan. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Musicians Venture Podcast. Please leave ratings and reviews from wherever you're listening from. Check us out online at themusiciansventure.com for more information on what we have happening, to find past episodes, and ways to get in touch with us. Find us on social media at The Musicians Venture on Facebook and Instagram, and at Musician Venture on Twitter. Like and follow us on all those platforms, and hey, while you're there, engage with and share our content with your friends. The Musicians Venture Podcast is hosted by me, Nick O'Brien, with guest host appearances from Allison M. The podcast is produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.